You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Steve is in Seattle area this weekend preaching. And so we have Paul. He has a great message for us today. So let's pray. Father, we just pray that you'll speak through Paul, that you'll minister the word through him, and that we will all be changed because we hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Hey, Mark. Ruth, a big, am I on? Okay. Ruth, a big welcome. So if you don't know, Terry uh, just brought her mom out to, to join us. She's living in our community now, so she'll be here with us. So a big welcome, Ruth. Um, can I? So, uh, Lord woke me up a bit early this morning, and, and families were really on my heart this morning, um, in a big way, and and in, in a couple different ways. Um, uh, Teresa, I thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone and coming up here and, and giving God glory for something He's done in your life, and, and a lesson you've learned and a testimony to share with us. Uh, hey. We're family. If we can't share here, where, where else can we share, right? I mean, and if we can't count on family to pray for us and help each other out, what are we doing here? So thank you, Teresa. And, and uh, when I think, of, you know, we often say, hey, church, to, to all of us, and we talk about the church. And, and you got to understand, that's a term of endearment because it really means, hey, brothers and sisters, hey, siblings, because once you said yes to Jesus, you've become gotten the spirit of adoption, and you have become a son or a daughter of God. And that's all of us. And as a man who, and a father who, who has had the privilege of actually being able to adopt children, uh, have natural born, have adopted children under our roof, there's no difference in the siblings. They're just our kids. They're just a group of siblings. There is no difference in loving one differently than loving the other one differently. And, and church... That's how God sees us. And at the same time, church, that's how we need to see one another, as brothers and sisters. And so I, I say that in that they will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. And, and, and I say that in, and this has nothing at all to do with what we're going to be talking about today. But I say that, I say that in that if you have an issue with a brother and sister, and I'm not just talking about this local gathering of the church are, the Christian people are way out there. There's churches all over here that are brothers and sisters and our siblings. If there is something there, make it right. Make it right. Don't carry that with you. Make it right. Whatever it takes, humble yourself and make it right. That's what God wants of us. He doesn't want us to walk around harboring things, whatever those things will. And so that was just really on my heart. We were praying about it this morning. As elders, uh, we get together beforehand. Steve wasn't here, so it was just Mark and Tyler and myself. And and just praying, you know, for families and marriages and children. And oh, the children out there that are just in bad situations. Nothing that they've done on their own, but just in a bad situation. And, and church, we need to be praying for these children. We need to be people that are keeping an eye out for families. We need to be people that are promoting marriage and, and holy marriage. And pushing the, the forward the good things of God. Because He has designed... For us, a good path and a good plan. And it's all laid out in the Word. And, and we need to be a people that are praying and promoting that. So, Lord, I just thank you for family. I thank you for church. I thank you that 
You have given me gazillions of brothers and sisters that you have adopted and put your spirit of adoption on all of us. And I just praise you that we can call you Father. That even if our earthly fathers aren't the greatest, you are perfect and we can praise you for that. Jesus, I just thank you that, that you have put yourself in the midst of families, in the midst of marriage, and that when people have you, they have the answer and they can go forward, Lord. And I just pray that we, your church, will be the tool to, to propagate, to promote, to show that you are the only way and that doing it your way is the good way, Jesus. Let us be a people that follow completely after you, Jesus. Let us set an example in parenting and in marriage and in family and in church, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, you guys ready to get started? Yeah. All right. I just mentioned that the scripture is good, right? That all of it's good. There's a purpose for it. There's nothing in the good book that isn't destined and designed to be there. It's not by accident. It's not by mistake, right? So then I get this chapter at the end of, of uh, Romans chapter 7 with a few verses there, and I'm like, wait a second. But you got to understand, so when we come up with our preaching schedule, it starts way ahead of time. Steve prays about it, hears from the Lord, and goes, hey, we're heading here right? This is what book we're going through or whatever series we're going through. And then, you know, he travels around the world and especially in this country going to different churches that we relate to and he imparts some great stuff to, to build them up and to help promote Jesus and their development of church life as a New Testament church that we believe in. And so when he's gone, some of the other elders, we step in, right? So I'm looking at this and lucky Steve, he gets to preach about freedom and then he gets to preach about the answer to what I'm talking about today. So when you leave here today, you're going to be left hanging. So you're going to need to come back next week to actually get the answer. So I, I preface that before we get started because I am going to leave you hanging a little bit. But it's good because all of this is important. And today I look at it, you're not going to walk out of here with the warm fuzzies from my preaching. If you need warm and fuzzies, Come and we'll pray for you after the service, but the message isn't going to give you the warm fuzzies, all right? So, so as we move forward, understand that it is useful. And I think part of everything is that we need to know and we need to understand. Not everything is necessarily an action. Sometimes we just need the knowledge and the understanding of what the scriptures have for us to actually better be prepared to what we have to do, this life called Christianity that we have to walk out. All right, so if you want to turn in your Bibles or look on the screen or uh, scroll through, however you do it, Romans 7, verses 13 through 25. I picked up 13, even though Steve finished with that last week because it, it goes into what we're going to talk about. And then remember, we're finishing at the end of chapter 7. Romans 8, 1 has a therefore, which means what just happened before Romans 8, 1 is very important. So we're going to leave you before that therefore, but let's get started. Did you, did, excuse me, uh, verse 13, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me that through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spirit. So we're going to talk about the law today. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. But I am of the flesh sold under sin. And guess what? Yea, for us, we're going to talk about sin today. Woohoo! Right? Yay! Yay! All right. All right. But it's important. It's important. We do need to understand. And we do need the knowledge. And this is all good training. And then he goes into this great struggle. All right. Here we go. For I do not understand my own actions. 
For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil is close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh... I serve the law of sin. So there's a ton of juice in this little short passage. Just a ton. We're not going to cover it all, though. See, you, as a priesthood of all believers, have a responsibility. We will give you an insight, but it's your job then to go dig into it and discover more of what the Lord's saying through this passage. We can't, in a few short minutes, give you everything that's in this passage. So I encourage you to always always question us and get into the word on your own, all right? And remember that Romans is not just, bro- it's broken up into chapters to study, but really Romans has a, a theme all the way through it. So some of what we're saying today is going to get repeated, is going to be repeated from things that previously were said because it all builds on itself as we move forward. Just like I'm building on something that Steve gets to wrap up next week. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> what? <laughs> No, I'm just having fun. I'm just putting the pressure on him so that he knows he's got he's to take care of business and wrap it up, so, which he knows anyways. We're just having fun. If we can't have fun with one another, you know, come on. You know, we're brothers. We're supposed to give each other a hard time. So, <laughs> Mark, what are you huffing and puffing about? Talk about that later, Mark. <laughs> so the law is spiritual. He told us that, right? The law is spiritual. And we have to remember that when we're reading through Romans, we have to think in the spiritual. Not everything's about what's happening in this world. We have to think and put on our spiritual goggles, put on our, our Jesus goggles, and look into things into the spiritual realm. So the law is spiritual. So why? Well, how is it spiritual to begin with? Well, who gave us the law? God, right? And we're going to talk about two different types of law, too. Oh, my goodness, this is getting crazy. We're going to talk about two different types of law. So God gave us the law, right? And he's given us two forms of the law. And the law is there to show his perfect, good, moral character. So there's a reason for the law. And like I said, there's two types of law. The Mosaic law, right? If you remember Moses, he went up onto Mount Sinai and the spirit, the presence of the Lord, right? Because he came down ghost white, wrote it down on tablets for him, and he delivered the law, right? That's what we think of when we think of the Mosaic law. That's the old covenant too. There's a lot of covenants in the Bible, but when we say the old covenant, we're really referring to the Mosaic law, just a little tidbit of biblical facts. Um, and so, but there's also the moral law. And we all know this, that, that God wrote on our hearts good and evil. Well, good. And then evil entered this world. And so now we know that there is good from the moral law of God that's on our hearts. Because when you think about it, 
Um, before Moses, people still died, right? People were still dying before Moses. So Adam came. Adam wasn't, it wasn't designed for Adam and Eve to die. But death came when sin came. So then Adam died. And everyone else after that, up to Moses, still died, right? And then afterwards, still dying, right? But they didn't have the law, so it's not fair that they died. Well, they did have the law. And they were not perfect, and they were falling short of God's perfect and moral law. So the law is written on our heart. We talked about it in Romans chapter 2. And I'm just going to repeat that because it's God's way, and it is fair. And and he says, "For for when Gentiles, and remember, Gentiles don't live by the law, they are the people all around that don't live by the, the law that the, the, the Jewish nation, Israel, does. Who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires? They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. So the law is there. The law is there. So is it not fair that they didn't have it written down? That's not up to us to decide. The fact that they didn't have it written down before Moses... That's not up for us to decide. God gave us his moral code. He imprinted it on our hearts, right? So it's there. In Hebrews 10, 1 through 4, it says this, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. They were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and the feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So why the Mosaic Law? It was already written on our heart. Why the Mosaic Law? Um, since obviously the Mosaic law doesn't save people, does it? No. I mean, it's clear in scriptures that they do it year after year after year, and it doesn't save people. So why the Mosaic law? Well, when I was praying through this, this week, I, the only analogy that I could come up with was a bag of cement. <laughs> like a bag of cement? What? So let me tell you something. Cement is different than concrete, all right? Cement is the mixture of stuff when mixed with water, that makes concrete. So we had the mixture in our hearts, but it wasn't until God wrote it down for Moses that we actually, it became concrete and hard and something factual and right there in our face, here you go. Love it or leave it, you know? So, so that's, that's my best analogy of how I can look at the, the, the spiritual law and the Mosaic law and how they interact and work together. Um, so remember this. Um, the Mosaic law describes in words the sin we, we know is in our hearts, making the gospel more relevant and our need for a Savior intensely more real. Because, church, we're all in desperate need of a Savior. And all these laws, all this stuff that God's given us, it just points to our desperate need of a Savior. Not just ours, but everybody out there. No one gets out of here except for a couple guys in the Bible, without dying first because of sin that entered this world. And we need to be a people that realize that and go, people need Jesus. That's the emphasis of the law. It's just to point us to God's perfectness 
and our fact that we need him to obtain what he's called us to because we have all now fallen short of that. So what is sin? What is sin? Anything that causes a falling short of the perfect and moral law of God and his glory or is opposed to God. And we know the Bible tells us we've all fallen short of that. We also know that the Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one. But can someone live without sin? No. Someone can live morally good, right? Someone can live a good life. We know a lot of people out there that are good people, right? We look at them, they go, hey, they're good people. I'm surprised they're not a believer. (laughs) We've all been there, right? There's people out there that are living good. Now, can someone perfectly follow God's law? Jesus did. Maybe it's possible. He was tempted, and he had victory, and he was fully man when he was tempted, and he had victory. Maybe it's possible. I don't know. I'm not going to say that I have the answers to that, but we're going to dig into it a little bit more. Because sin comes in three forms. It comes in our actions, right? That's easy to recognize. Murder, stealing, uh, whatever else comes into that category, right? There's lists all throughout the scriptures. So there's our actions, easy to recognize. But then there's our attitude. The, uh, that person, they did it again. Uh, they deserve what they get. Uh, right, Mark? <laughs> um, I mean, so you know that you deal with people and something happens and you're like, really? And you're like, mm. well, where's that coming from? Where's that coming from exactly? Because uh, our attitude, it talks about coveting, Right? The Bible talks about these lusts, these different things that are an attitude. They're not actually an action, yet they're still considered sin. But most importantly, what I wanted to get to today is that we're born with sin. Even while we're sleeping, we're sinners. We're in this flesh, this body of sin, a bag of sin, if you don't mind me saying it that way. It's something that even at, or David talked about in the Psalms. That, you know, he comes from his mother in sin. And in, and in Psalm uh, uh, 58.3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. Ephesians 2.3, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Everyone is a sinner. Therefore, everyone is a soul in need of a Savior. Everyone is a sinner. But let me pause here and take a little side note. And I I think it's important to to look into God's character a little bit before we move on from here. And I want to talk about babies that die. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about an accountable age or an age of recognition or anything like that. You know, so I don't really know how that works. We talk about it because it makes sense to us. There's an age where you understand the gospel and you can say yes to, to the Lord. And, but then there's babies and, and these kind of things. And I just want to encourage you today, actually, that if you look at Luke chapter 1, we're talking about John the Baptist here. And, and it says that uh, in verse 15, it says that uh, he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And this Holy Spirit is what seals us, Right? The Holy Spirit that the Bible talks about, that's, that's the seal of our guarantee for eternal life. And, and he had the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And, and we also know this because later on in, in the chapter, really long chapter, you know, at verse 44, it says, it says that when Mary, so Mary, the mother of Jesus, well, was pregnant, went to visit Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, 
And the baby leapt for joy in her womb because he's full of the Holy Spirit. So I say that is that God is love. He is merciful and he is gracious. We don't have to worry about things we don't understand. We just have to put our faith in him and let him take care of of the babies and, and the infants and those kind of things. Because I believe in my heart that he is just and merciful and he's going to take care of them. I can't prove that for sure from the scriptures, but that's what I believe. And so, so I just want to encourage you that, that the seal was given in the womb to John the Baptist. There's nothing to say that he's not giving it in the womb to all these other babies out there and stuff too. Just to share that with you, take a little pause and a side note. But yet, yet there is a battle that is waging against us. Because we, you know, we, the Bible talks about being born again. The Bible talks about we are a new creation. And we got to think about that. Well, how's that work? Because I'm falling apart. My body is not the body it was two decades ago. All right? It is not the same. And I try to take care of it, but it's not the same. And I go, well, we're born again. We're a new Christian. Well, where is it? How's that lie? What are we talking about today? The spirit. We're born again in our spirit. We're given new life in our spirit. We don't take this bag of bones with us when we're called home. We are, it's, <laughs> amen. amen, amen. That's where the new creation comes in. It's in our spirit. So that's where there's still this war against us because we are not only a bag of bones, flesh, sinful nature. We are also spirit and spiritual and filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've said yes to Jesus, but so we got to understand that we're infected. And we have to have knowledge that we are in a war. And it's not going anywhere. Yes, we are justified. We are made right. We have said yes to Jesus. We are heaven bound. But at the same time, we are in a war. There is a battle raging in each and every one of us of our spirit versus our flesh. And we just got to accept it and deal with it. I mean, think about it. How many times you're sitting there going, I'm not, you know, I don't use vulgar language or or cuss and these kind of things, but how many times inside your head you're whatever, something pops up and then this vulgar word comes into your head because someone did something to you that you don't like? Am I the only guy? Come on, come on. And I'm sitting there going, just me, just me. And I'm sitting there going, where did that come from? I would never verbally say that. Where did that come from? Why is that there? I don't want that. I don't desire that. Or how many times are we dealing with people and they've made the same mistake over and over and over and, hey, over and over again. And we're like, really? Come on, you know better. You know better. And we're sitting there and we're going, well, you deserve what you get. How many times do we do that? It's not for us to deal out deserve. That's not our job. It's our job to look at them as Jesus looks at them and know that, these are children of God, okay? Yeah, there's consequences for our sin. I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, it's not our job to deal that out. It's our job to love people. It's our job to spread Jesus. And it's our job to deal with this flesh in a way that Steve's going to talk about next week. (laughs) So why do we discuss sin and laws? It boils back down to knowledge and understanding. 
If you're a professional fighter, not only do you train and prepare your body and your fists and your feet to, to fight, not only do you do that, which we have to train ourselves as Christians with the Word, right? We have to train our bodies and our minds and our spirits. It's part of our job. But they watch film. And not just like one fight. They devour film. Hours upon hours upon hours of watching film. They're looking for the slightest eyebrow wrinkle, a flare of the nostrils before a punch comes, the, the, a drop of a shoulder, a, a move of a toe. Any little advantage they can get, they are looking for that. It goes in any professional sports. Basketball, football, you name it, they spend hours devouring film so they can get an advantage of the battle they're about to face. Church, we need to know the Word of God and devour it so that when we face it, we're prepared. We're prepared. Um, Knowledge is good. It's not a bad thing. And we have to remember that the Scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, they're God's story for His glory. And we need to know it. There's a purpose behind all of it. And we need to know his purpose. We need to know who he is. We need to know his plans, his desires. We need to know how he's operating in history, how he's operating now. It all goes together. We need to devour this because, again, where are we? We're in a battle that's waging against us right now. This sack of bones, as much as we don't like it, we're we're married to it. And it's going to be with us. But you know what? So is our spirit. And so is the Holy Spirit. And we have, can have victory. You don't have to be defeated by this. You don't have to be defeated by this because Jesus Christ has given us the victory. He has conquered sin. Even though we're all sinners, he's conquered sin. He's conquered death. We don't have to be defeated by this. But yet we have to know. We have to know that there is a battle and accept that there is a battle. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. It's right there with you. And knowing is so key to making big steps. So the battle still remains. We have this flesh. We have this, our spirit. But don't be defeated because we can't overcome it. Amen. We can't overcome it. And Steve's going to talk about that in a great way next week. Because there's a therefore at, the, at chapter 8, verse 1. So church... So church, I'm going to pray for us. Church, it's important that we recognize who we are. We are sons and daughters of God. We are spirit, but at the same time, we are flesh. And that flesh is sinful. Amen? Lord, I just thank you for your word. I just thank you that Jesus, you have made a plan for us. I just thank you. That we don't have to fret our sinful nature. That we don't have to be controlled or owned by our sinful nature. That you died, you conquered sin, you conquered death, and you have given us freedom. Jesus, I just thank you so much for that. I just thank you that, that even though we, we are imperfect, your sacrifice on the cross, you dying on the cross for us, carrying each and every one of our sin there, was the ultimate perfect sacrifice. I thank you for your law that points to you. I thank you for knowledge that points to you and understanding that points to you, Jesus. You are good, and we just praise you for that, Jesus. Lord, help us all in our battle. 
Help us to know where it lies. Show us our weakness. Show us our strength. Show us what we need to do to have victory, Lord, and fill us with your Holy Spirit every day, Jesus. We just love you, Jesus. We just thank you for everything. Amen.